All right, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Prevalent Evil Contagion podcast, the show where we discuss everything related to Resident Evil. I'm your host, Renegade Alperdef, and we are doing a special RE podcast on the CGI movies. Uh, these movies, as I said earlier to the panelists, uh, they are my gateway to something great outside of the live-action ones, which I thought was not the best as it continued, but the CGI movies had a special place in my heart, especially when continuing the plot, story, and character development of the characters we all know and love. So, I'm your host, Renegade Operative, and I would like to introduce Ren Ren Bin. Hi, everybody. It's nice to have you here, uh, uh, Resident Evil fan that was with us. Also, while we did horror movies as well, so that was kind of fun to just sort of uh, break the mold and see everything we could talk about from there and have a great time. Next, we have Black Shadow. What Ren's trying to say is the live actions kind of suck and that the CGI's are actually all right. That's <laughs> what he's trying to say. I like uh, the first one. The first one's fun. It's a fun the first movie. Couple, couple live actions were not bad. I actually saw the first live action not that long ago again. Um, I'm like, hey, this is all right. But, you know, they became their own thing. And then Mr. Mr. Anderson decided, oh, I, I know what's best for business. And then, you know. Things, things happened, but uh, we're not here to talk about any of that today, mercifully. <laughs> and we're, we're gonna jump right into the next question. I know Burn is running a little bit late, but hopefully he gets on the tail end of the first question. Uh, the first question is, uh, how would you rank all of the CGI Resident Evil movies and the criteria from best to worst? If you haven't seen any of these, then you can sort of exclude them or not talk about them or skip over them, which is fine. Uh, so we have uh, Resident Evil Degeneration, Damnation, Vendetta, Death Island, Infinite Darkness, and it was a movie called Biohazard 4D Executor, which was also available on YouTube and exclusive in Japan on a thrill ride done like long, long ago, and it was very entertaining. So Shadow, I'm going to call on you first. How would you rank these films? Before we do, is it worth maybe explaining a bit more what it is? Because I imagine most people listeners have no idea what it actually is. Like, um, is it worth? Cause we can talk about it quickly. You know, we've got a bit of time. Sure, no problem. You, you, you... I, I mean, I'm not the first to ask because I, I know it exists, <laughs> but I've never, I've never seen it either. I know we were talking about it before the podcast. It's just for the purposes of those listening, I spent majority have never even heard of it. Sure. So, uh, Biohazard 4D Executor is a 17 minute sort of like cgi movie where it deals with i want to say it deals with like the um umbrella mercenaries uh ubcs i believe and and they're sort of searching around um in the outskirts of raccoon city and the platoon is getting killed like one after the other uh by this virus that is transmitted and is going into other creatures like rats um is going into humans is going into all sorts of people it's kind of like the thing where it mutates their body and it turns them inside out and is tentacles and it's pretty disgusting uh so this is a whole new virus called the executor virus that is just plaguing everyone and they're searching for a doctor uh at the end um it gets pretty gory and nasty even during the middle where uh the doctor is found and you find out that she's the executor virus this whole time and the guy who survives i think his name is um 
Hans Gloss. I, I, I forget his name, but he gets his face torn apart. Uh, so it is very interesting because we never had anything like that where it's sort of airborne and, and affecting everyone so far. Sort of what the characters feared in Raccoon City with the virus when it was breaking out for the first time in history. And uh, folks were saying, is this airborne or, we, or is it from bites? We don't know. Uh, so it's the same situation there. It's a very interesting movie. But again, it was only released in some horror thrill rise to promote Resident Evil and is very unknown. We never got this in the West as far as I know. So this was Japan exclusive. So after that synopsis, Shadow, what do you what do you think of it in general? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it shows its age a bit, apparently, when you watch it like it's, it's this is 2000. And my understanding is it, it kind of looks like 2000. But back in 2000, like when people decided they wanted to do some kind of really horror gory stuff like uh, they they didn't hold back i mean they don't exactly hold back now but it was a different kind of world back then where it was very because the graphics available were a lot less uh sophisticated it was a much more kind of raw experience whereas now like you think i guess the like more of the kind of gory stuff you see now of like you know people's faces getting sort of like half torn in into bits and whatever else and like think to like village and some of the stuff you see about the werewolves and such like it's pretty visceral stuff but it's um it's a different kind of world so um yeah i i, I should probably go have a watch of it at some point i imagine it'd be an interesting 20 minutes i'm sure i'll have nightmares for about a week afterwards i wouldn't surprise me <laughs> nightmares but uh uh, just referring back to the first question. The, yeah, the, the question movies. itself, yeah, right in the CGI's. Um, so we've seen, I think, all of them now over the course of time on this on this uh, this channel, haven't we? Yes. I feel like I've seen, I think we've seen them all. Um, recently, we obviously did Death Island, which came out not that long ago, about six months ago, he wants to say, nervously. Doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but time is time accelerates um as far as ranking them uh it's a bit of a tricky one i think there is a bit of personal preference for these like uh you know your degeneration which is the first one that came out i was back in 2008 i think it was that was their first foray into the world of cgi's after they'd been doing um i think they'd done a couple of live actions at that point this circles around uh the 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 infected airport with claire and leon uh which i do admittedly have a it's probably the weakest movie out of like the main five uh, overall. It's the first one. It was a bit rough. The The plot maybe wasn't the best, but I am slightly partial to it. It's got old Claire and old Leon's voice actors. And, you know, they're always going to hold a special part of my heart. Um, but it's probably probably not the, the strongest variants of the films. I probably rate probably Vendetta, I think, the highest, truthfully speaking. Um, I think Vendetta is, this is the one, the, one of the most recent ones back from, I think, 2017 it was um it's it's pretty wild um this is the one which has uh the return of like rebecca and leon and chris it's kind of it's it's goofy i think in a way but it's goofy in a way that resident evil has kind of been for a while there's some completely absurd stuff you know leon having a war on a motorcycle and just doing the most absurd things because he's leon stuff like that it's it's pretty it's almost touching in a weird way but the action's pretty fun occasionally the game is a little bit almost like shamelessly silly i think but that's i think part of the enjoyment of it and just being able to kind of have a bit more of a light-hearted look at the uh the the game the plot itself as well is actually not that bad either so i'd probably say vendetta for me is probably the, my favorite um probably then it's kind of tough like 
I don't. I haven't quite yet decided where I want to set Death Island. Truthfully, Damnation is probably the next favorite for me. I quite enjoy Damnation. I think it's got a decent cast. Having Ada back in, uh, I think was was really good. I think there's some interesting. Uh, the plot, I think, you know, the uh, the story, I think, is possibly the best story of all of them. Uh, you know, in war torn Europe, and you know, they exist in the bio the bioweapons, and I constantly forget the name of the guy he ended up with for most of that film. I continuously forget, but he was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably say for me, as I'm rattling on here, uh, I'd, I'd say Vendetta's probably my favorite. Damnation is next. If I'm being objective, I probably have to put Death Island probably above that, but I don't know. Death Island, I think, is fine. I think it's a decent experience. It's a little silly, I think, at times. Um, you know, but it's nice to have, obviously, have this big, massive cast reunion, uh, which has obviously got some fun. You know, a lot of characters miss. Uh, you know, seeing older Rebecca is always fun. We still haven't had the justice of having Yerks currently so far in a in a main game. We will eventually do so. Um, Infinite Darkness, I remember we all watched that was the Netflix series. I don't know if I really rated it kind of after a while. Um, like, I think it's cool again, obviously, anytime you have Claire and Leon sort of back in great. It was Claire's sort of return to the series after ages, which is always nice and cool. Um, but I do feel like the, the byplay between is a little bit weird. The ending is also kind of strange. It looks great. Like, there's some really cool sequences. I remember we were watching. There's a sequence in the submarine. Looks absolutely fantastic. They put it together really, really well. But I probably, I think just because I'm partial to generation, I probably have to write Infinite Darkness at the bottom. So Vendetta, Damnation, Death Island, Degeneration, Infinite Darkness, I think for me, which is kind of a surprise given the hype that uh, Infinite Darkness had coming into it. But, you know, it was, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't my favorite experience. Rim Rim Ben, what about you? Uh, what is your favorite to least favorite CGI movies? So I gave this a lot of thought because I like all of these movies quite a bit. Um, I haven't seen, I, I've only skimmed through 4D Executor. What I saw, it's got some really good body horror in it. Like some bo good body horror that you don't normally see in the Resident Evil franchise uh except for kind of like shadow said in eight you get some of it in village you get some of it but in terms of the other five movies um i would put damnation as my top pick uh i like the story a lot i like leon's characterization in that as well like he's very snarky but he's also very like just so done with all of it um, I liked having ada in it it's got really good action i like the way they handled the liquors uh, in particular, the liquors are really, really cool in there. And I, the, uh, using the combination of the Las Plagas along as a way to control the liquors, I thought was a really ingenious way to have that connection between those. Um, for my second, I would put uh, Vendetta because it is just so crazy, can be fun. And you also get Rebecca, who does not get enough love. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, then I think, uh, gosh, and this is where it gets a little bit fuzzy for me because I loved Death Island. I loved Infinite Darkness. Those two kind of tie for me because, but maybe Infinite Darkness a little bit below Death Island because I think Infinite Darkness would have done better if it had just been a two hour movie instead of four episodes. Um, cause it watch it. If you watch them, boom, boom, boom in a row, they kind of just play like a movie um i also again liked uh the way leon and claire were characterized 
Um, and then probably I put damnation or not, sorry, not damnation, degeneration at the bottom because I do like the story, uh, but it just uh, visually does not hold up as well as the others do, um, which is really just a product of its time. It came out in 2008. So, um, but yeah, so I'd say uh, damnation, vendetta, death island, infinite darkness, and degeneration. And I'm going to go back and watch 4D Executor uh, later on, probably after this, <laughs> so I can actually sit and watch the whole thing. Since I'm trying to go in um, chronological order, and Burn just joined. Burn, how about you introduce yourself? As I said before, and I will keep saying it, but I am Burnan, the to the token Mexican guy from the podcast. It's good being here again. Sorry, just like coming out of Raccoon City. It's crazy. All the traffic lights are red. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we're on question number one, and we're talking about how we are going to rank the CGI movies from best to worst. So there is Degeneration, Damnation, Vendetta, Death Island, Infinite Darkness, and Biohazard 4D Executor, which I explained earlier in the show. It's like a short Japanese-only Resident Evil horror flick. If you want to skip any of these you can but rank your best to worst so far with the movies you've seen no problem at all um i would definitely say i'm gonna actually put like uh biohazard for the executor not exactly like in the lowest place because that was actually my very first resident evil movie even with the uh mila jobovich live actions um, and I think Biohazard 4D Executor is actually like a pretty nice introduction to what Resident Evil is. But I think that it goes way too much into like the military uh, kind of action instead of just like regular dudes. Because most of the characters of Resident Evil, once you meet them at the very beginning, they are your average Joes. You know, just like uh, Chris and Jill, they might be uh, cops from Raccoon City, but they are not like uh super special forces or anything like that um they are they are uh stars in the end but they are not exactly the strongest ones so for the executor i will maybe say uh they're three i will say that maybe for the executor actually will be like number four for for me at least um i think my number five i will actually say infinite darkness i think it was a really nice series it was a nice show um, showing exactly what happened after the events of Resident Evil 4 and allowed to connect some of the stories of the characters and seeing um, Leon and Claire together again. It was really nice, but I think it kind of like under the liver what it wanted. Like the whole concept was fine, but I think it felt kind of empty, you know, just like a product just because they wanted to release a product instead of just like any other um then i will say my lowest one will be definitely um the generation i think the generation is also like a really cool movie and all of that but it doesn't have also like most of the spirit at least i feel it that way like the generation will be my lowest one um for sure on the other side um that nation was actually pretty good and i actually enjoyed so much uh the story that it had um, I felt that the whole final sequence uh, between, like, in action between Leon and the, the it was Leon, right, in Definition, if I remember, with the, in Russia. Um, and I felt like that whole, well, not Russia, I don't remember where it was, but, like, the whole fight and everything between 
um, the tyrants and the leakers and everything. Like that whole thing is, it's just like pure hype. Um, and it felt so good. Then I think that Vendetta will, I will definitely say it's my number, my number two, because I think also as, as Ren, Ren, Ren Ben said, it, it has Rebecca back. So it's good having Rebecca at any point. Everyone loves Rebecca. But um, I do, I do also feel that uh, Vendetta also show like the best characterization of the characters, you know, like seeing Leon after everything that he's been through and how he's just like almost basically an alcoholic. Like it does show that he's struggling with a lot of things. Um, Chris uh, being the kind of guy just like taking care of his team and all that. Um, Rebecca just like being the smart girl that she is like. All of the characters are so really well characterized. And I think that does follow up a lot in Resident Evil Dead Island, which does exactly the same, like a really nice characterization, a nice follow-up of the story from Vendetta, but it also has the the return of Jill Valentine with the new design of Jill that we know from uh, Resident Evil Remake 3. Uh, so Dead Island, definitely, I think it's the one that I've enjoyed the most recently. Definitely... Dead Island was such a treat. I think it's perfect for any Resident Evil fan because it brings a lot into the table. So if you if you like Resident Evil, you definitely gonna love Dead Island. But for Dead Island, you need Vendetta. So yeah, I think that will be Dead Island number one. Um, Infinite no, the generation number six. All right, so I'm gonna rank mine. Um, okay, so from best to worst, I will say uh, in terms of sheer enjoyments i liked damnation a whole lot uh i I, f I feel like it just had the perfect sort of mixture of storytelling uh characterization leon getting to know buddy and, and just having cool fights uh enough cool characters coming in like ada and, and doing random stuff and fighting the uh president um that she's fighting you know even though i thought it was ridiculous that she threw leon like 30 meters in the air uh, it was still a very enjoyable movie um just utter chaos like burn said at the end where it's it's tyrants just fighting leon and liquors everywhere and 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 people getting squashed to death um it is by far the most chaotic sort of uh middle and ending i've seen in in the cgi movie so far I would say that's my number one. Uh, number two, I'm gonna give it to, you know what? I will give it to Vendetta. I I know that I think portions of this movie is very stupid, uh, but in terms of pure action fan service, like I said earlier, it's like RE6 is on the silver screen. And I, I, I thought in terms of like, just shutting off your brain and having fun with it and, and seeing Chris and Leon back in action, like for once, just completely destroying zombies was very awesome. I also thought that it, it was kind of cool to have a foil that actually won in the beginning with Chris with uh, Glenn Arius. And, and that sort of fight culminates, even though I thought that it was very ridiculous for them to dance around each other, fi firing pistols near each other's ears. Uh, I, I still did readily enjoy the movie. Uh, lots of fan service. Uh, but again, it is a turn your brain off film. So I would say that's number two. Uh, number three is kind of hard. I'm going to put 4D Executor right at number three. 
I feel like it had the quintessential uh, things for a Resident Evil movie to make them gory, to make them scary, to do something different with the executor virus affecting people and uh, essentially it's turning people into the thing is is kind of creepy and grotesque and and heavily leaning on body horror although the boon of this movie that is very very prevalent is i feel like the movie is just again it, i know it's a thrill right movie but the film is way too short uh to really put it above the other two uh in terms of feature length movies so i will have to put it at number three my enjoyment is there the themes are great being back at raccoon city great and seeing the characters just sort of trying to scramble and figure out what the fuck is going on but it's too short now we go into the bottom which i'm going to put let's see i'm gonna put death island actually right here uh it's not bad though i i enjoyed the other movies a lot more it's a great team up film with all the characters coming back and everything like that uh you got jill you got a lot of fan service and, and that's pretty cool it's actually not really a bad movie but i put it in this sort of middle ground simply because i feel as though the movie could have had a lot more going for it in terms of just sheer suspense and overall i just feel like uh the whole thing with the villain kind of really killed it for me as well which is what brings down the suspense factor like i i don't think that dylan was really good at all uh, and and convincing otherwise like oh my friend died it's like i get the motivation but i i feel like he's not strong or compelling enough and i automatically assumed what was going to happen after watching the trailer oh he injects himself becomes a monster then he dies because chris leon and jill and rebecca and claire they all just destroy him from there so it, it was the most predictable resident evil plot i've ever seen like ever uh at least the other ones had some unpredictability for suspense but i felt like this one it kind of came from a mile away but i did enjoy the team up elements the fights i feel like that stuff was all great but it's not a cut above uh like damnation at all uh and then we go lower on the list uh i i would say i'm gonna say degeneration now i don't really like this movie but it is at least a film where it has you know it, it has its pacing you get Claire and Leon back. Uh, I understand it's a product of his time. It's like the oldest one, the first one. And they were sort of getting their jive with how things work and operate. But I think the problem with this movie for me is the fact that there is a lot of exposition that is not entertaining. Not on my exposition at RE, but I just felt the stuff with Frederick Downing uh, taking Claire into the plant and everything. And they start talking. I just felt that was kind of like boring and i i wasn't really amused by it but the second half of the movie is fun when leon gets to the plant and he's with angela and everything just starts going from uh zero to 2000 rather quickly i'm talking like when curtis jumps in as the g mutated monster uh that is when the movie gets very fun and chaotic so i do really like that part it does have that merit there but i felt like the pacing with the exposition talking all that stuff was pretty off the only scene i really enjoyed was the one where claire's like kind of bummed out and leon's kind of like trying to console her saying you know 
me and Chris, you know, we're the fighters and you chose the route of humanitarian. I thought that was kind of uplifting with their roles uh, going forward. But still, I, 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 I just think that the pacing just kind of kills it for me on rewatch, which is why I ranked it so low. And uh, but the lowest, the bottom is Infinite Darkness. Now, uh, I'm going to say what everyone else has been saying. So my opinions are not that different for saying this is the worst. It felt like they tried to turn this into a film, but Netflix had cut it up, turn it into like four episodes and do something with it. And it just failed, in my opinion, uh, the, the whole Panastam uh, war that was going on. I, I felt like that was not really executed all that well. Uh, I know they wanted Billy in this, but they said it didn't make sense. But even with the rework plot, it still is like, you know, you get bits and pieces here. You uh, undiscover you undiscover some history with some of the characters that were in the war, uh, but they don't really like press into it or go anywhere with it. It just seems like sort of a background political piece that doesn't have like any weight or, or something to the effect of even a RE5 where clearly the Kajuju people are being affected by this. So I wish they would have done a lot more and we got a lot more in the series. That's not really a hard asking point for that. Uh, I, I, I did like the whole Leon and Claire stuff. I, I like the action. The rats in the submarine were pretty cool. Where Leon's like, oh, I wish I had some cheese. And so they kept this whole signature trademark goofy banter, which I loved. But I, I, I felt like this is the only time I felt like that last part, the, the final act was just very, very rushed out. I, I, I felt like this movie or, or this show rather uh, was just very rushed out in terms of how they tried to wrap up the story and it was just overall like unsatisfying i i did like that they tried to explain that leon and claire has some sort of fractured relationship but it, it, it didn't feel like it was enough to justify a really satisfying payoff which is why i would put infinite darkness uh at the bottom for a cgi i just felt like it is the quintessential project where they could have done a lot more than what you got. And that is my ranking for best to worst. So we're going to move on to best story. Uh, Burn, what do you think has the best story for all of the CGI projects so far? Okay, so I'm going to say that probably Vendetta will be the one that had the best story. Um, Infinite, uh, Infinite Darkness. Uh, Dead Island was a nice continuation of a little bit of that story, but I think that the whole story and even like the the reasoning for the villain, like his motives and everything, I think it was actually really nice and it was a nice way of connecting, well, connecting uh, the characters, just like showing exactly what other people might do to fight Umbrella. We have people as our heroes, just like trying to do the right thing. And there are other people who will do all they can, like whatever it is, even if it is, um, infecting themselves so i will say that for me vendetta has the best story or at least one of the most compelling stories out of all of those black shadow it's your turn uh what do you think is the best plot of the cgi movies i mean it's it's it has to be vendetta and i imagine models uh, uh oh best plot sorry let me start that totally <laughs> sorry miss Bray. um sorry i'm trying to do too many things here uh, best plot. Um, 
I mean, it's it's got to be damnation, hasn't it? Really, I imagine. I think a lot of it. I, I just think damnation is just super cool. I think it's a, it's an interesting glimpse into. Um, try, I was trying to read quickly and to remind myself the, the full story and highlights. But yeah, it's like the whole idea of like you know the the, the civil war ongoing, uh, which feels a bit touchy given the current state of today's world. But uh, it, we're ignoring that. Um, you know, and like, like people feeling they're so desperate, like resorting to like these bioweapons to try and win the civil war, which is, you know, pretty, pretty brutal. But, you know, if you pitch yourself into that world, you could see why perhaps some people feel desperate enough to feel to do it. I, I just think it's it's super cool. Uh, yeah, Buddy was the name you brought up earlier. I think Buddy as well is super awesome, which just helps me kind of enjoy that. I think he's awesome and kind of obviously busy, you know, fighting for all there so he can return to the life he's previously had as well. Um, the 80s stuff for me was always a bit weird. I know a lot of people did enjoy it in there, but I always felt like that the byplay of that sort of thing, the president was it was a bit weird to me. Um, but yeah, it's for me, it's damnation, hundred percent. Ren Ren Ben, what about you? What is the best story of the CGI films? So I get so thinking about this one. It it I was torn between Damnation and Vendetta because they both have really, I feel like. Of the of the CGI movies, they probably have those two movies have the best well-rounded, so to speak, plots. But I think I'm going to give it to Damnation as well because it just um, it has a really compelling story. I I was thinking about it, and even like right at the beginning, they they establish it right in the beginning. This is what's going on. This is what's been happening in you know in this republic, and they kind of bring you right in and you feel like you have all the information you need to watch this movie and i feel like that's something that isn't necessarily done with the other cgi movies they kind of assume you have a certain level of knowledge whereas this one kind of does but doesn't at the same time assume you have that knowledge um i also really liked the uh the new characters that were introduced i really like jd is one of my favorite uh, supporting characters in all the CGI movies. Like, he's just fantastic. And I was very upset um, the first time I watched it when he died. I was like, no, not JD, because I love JD. He was so cool. Um, Buddy, I didn't like at first, but I liked him more as the movie went on. Um, it They just did a really good job, I feel, telling a compelling story, making you care about the characters. Uh, they gave you the characters that you loved and they gave them to you in a way that you were hoping that you'd see them. Like Leon still had, like I said, uh, for the first question, like Leon still had his snarkiness, but he also kind of had that. I, he was getting to the point of, I'm so done with this stuff. Um, and you got to see Hunnigan, you got to see Ada, um, as weird, as sort of, uh, slightly out of places it did feel i really enjoy the fight between ada and the president because you kind of find out more and more about this republic and about this president in particular that clearly she is not exactly what she seems like everyone probably just assumes oh like at first you just assume oh female president that's cool then you find out oh she's you know this incredible fighter oh she also did this also she's doing some pretty underhanded things uh to you know accomplish her goals and they did a they they also did a great job tying in um you know the umbrella and like i mentioned uh using the las plagas as a way to have the dominant and um subordinate species to control the liquors like i just thought that was such a cool idea and something that we really hadn't seen necessarily up until you know outside of that resident evil 4 world 
So I thought that was pretty cool. And we got to see Ada in a a different a different job, so to speak, other than just backing up Wesker or, you know, doing other whatever whoever she happens to be working for at the time. It was interesting to see her actually acting like the spy that, you know, we've been told that she is. So for me it's uh damnation. Alright, my, my answer is gonna be pretty much uh run of the mill just like everyone else's it's gonna be damnation i i just think it's a great blueprint of a film for a story self-contained it has everything you need with fan service it has everything you need with the new characters actually being kind of interesting and and having this bonding relationship with Leon over time where uh, initially they are antagonistic towards him now it's like as they progress further you see death and dismay and 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 a lot of hard feelings uh going into the rest of the story <clears throat> even to the point where i i remember one part where leon was like sort of giving up and 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 saluting his buddy and taking a drink and i just thought that was like really cool to have that humanized element in there in the mix of this movie uh which i really appreciated i i thought it had great action a great use of the bow's doing things whether jumping around or being crazy like i said earlier uh and that was all demonstrated really well i, I don't have many faults with this film now that i think about it i i, I felt like it didn't overstay as welcome either and it didn't like cut too short on the character traits that were being presented so i would say that is the perfect way to do a cgi film which is why i enjoyed the story so much and like everyone else said it's just enjoyable all around so i would say that is the best story for me in terms of cgi now we're gonna move to the worst story the bottom of the barrel the garbaggio hall of fame <laughs> which had the worst story in your opinion for the cgi movies i will go with burn first so definitely i think and uh, just being honest in here but i think that infinite darkness is the one that has uh the worst story at least for me you could argue that maybe 4d executor could have the worst story but i mean it's a short film i don't think it wants to go so deep into like plot and everything i think it's more like a little bit of um maybe lore dropping and everything but just like not so much but infinite darkness tries to be so hard a product that is part of the main lore is part of like all of the main stuff that we see during the games and the movies and everything and uh, as i previously said i think it like under the livers you know like for a product that is supposed to fill in the gaps between resident evil 4 and Resident Evil 5 or 6, I think it just doesn't give as much as it can. The characterization of the characters is not bad. Like, definitely, as I said, Leon and Claire are really good in this film, as are every other character. But I do think that they were um, not used, like, in the in the best way possible. Or, or I think they were put in a plot that wasn't um, just the best in general. So, yeah, Infinite Darkness, for me, is the one that has the worst story. Black Shadow, what about you? What is your opinion on this? It's, I think it's actually kind of close. I think um, Infinite Darkness is a good shout. I think my problem with Infinite Darkness is that there is a reliance, I think, on the plot of it that is kind of reliant upon 
the person watching already having knowledge of other things that have happened in Resident Evil at times, which I think can be a little bit jarring. Obviously, it's set between 4 and 5, and that's just is what it is. So having played the previous game, it helps a heck of a lot. But I, I just think for me, it's got to be Death Island. Um, and it's kind of annoying, like both of them, I think, look pretty decent, especially Infinite Darkness. Infinite Darkness has got like some really slick sort of um, bits, but they both just... Whereas if it does the story, I think is a bit confusing and is a bit kind of meh. Like, I got actively annoyed when we were watching Death Island occasionally with the whole Dylan Blake stuff. Like, I got, like, legitimately annoyed over him. Like, it was, it's like, oh, dear, well, I'm an old military dude. Oh, I had to shoot my friend and I've realized life is terrible. I'm going to make it better by killing it. It's just... It was. It's a bit played out. I mean, I guess it's not what Death Island was designed to be. You know, it's the big amalgamation of let's get all of the big names into our film, um, and let's just have lots of fun sequences. It has some decent ones, but I think the the plot veers from um, fairly commonplace to actively like bewildering at times. Uh, and yeah, the whole Didn't thing, like he's meant to be obviously like the the big antagonist of the movie. Uh, I didn't like him i think he was kind of played out i think it was kind of dull i think to me the biggest antagonist was just the plot in general uh unfortunately you know it's such a shame like these both things i think they have like decent action sequences it's just that they're not very good at the talking thing especially there's that moment where like they're they're what was it like you've got like claire and such they're locked up in the jail and there's like three of them outside and they talk for about six, seven minutes or something ridiculous. And it's just like, what is going on here? Stop talking and just start doing things again. That bit's not too bad. So pretty close for me. I guess you, Dear Generations also, eh, you know, it's a bit touch and go. But for me, it's Death Island just because Dylan Blake just, just kind of sucks. <laughs> Ren Ren Ben, how about you? The worst story, in your opinion, for the CGI films? So, I'm also going to say Death Island, but I'm not going to say because it was the worst story. I'm going to say because it was the weakest story. Um, it was supposed to piggyback on Vendetta. Like, it was supposed to be a direct sequel to Vendetta. And I didn't enjoy Dylan. I thought he was a very weak villain. They, the tie between him and Glenn Arias was so like, oh, yeah, they knew each other. And it's like, I need more than that, because Glenn Arias was like, you know, such a such a presence in that first movie, even though like, uh, you know, I, ha I have my beefs with with that character as well. But I think even though I loved seeing everybody in one place like that was the dream. Um, for me, Death Island story-wise could have been done a lot better. I, I think it could have been a tighter story. I think they could have, um, they could have handled Dylan's character better and given him more motivation than, like, everybody's been saying, you know, just, oh, I had to shoot my friend. Like, okay, yeah, so did a lot of people in Raccoon City. Um, you know, he, he wasn't as compelling as he could be. Um... But a close a close second that I almost said, I almost uh, also said Infinite Darkness because like uh, like I'd mentioned before, uh, I don't enjoy I didn't enjoy that they took what was clearly meant to be a two like a two hour movie or an almost two hour movie and first broke it into episodes and said it's a TV series now. And I didn't I, I think that actually hurt it more than helped it. But um weakest story or i guess you could say worst story would probably be death island just because 
it didn't actually you know one other thing i thought of um one thing i think that i will say death island did do well is i appreciated that they didn't just brush under the rug everything that jill went through like everything that everybody has gone through they didn't brush it under the rug they could have very easily done that and been like oh they're back yay but instead they actually at least tried to mention it although it was really weird that we had leon and vendetta being like pretty much an alcoholic and then by the time death island rolls around he's like yay everything's okay now that part i was sort of like no no i i don't quite buy that but um yeah so that that would be why uh Although there were a couple things that I thought they did really well, Death Island, I think, had the weakest story. This is kind of tough for me because it's bordering between Infinite Darkness and Death Island. It's like, I totally understand all of the issues with Death Island, and I think that that kind of is what pissed me off, is just how they execute some plot points how the villain is i mean at least people say vendetta story is stupid but at least arius was like kind of a badass even though he was also trying to simp for rebecca which is pretty funny and weird at the same time with his dead wife's arm oh she's similar to uh rebecca so now it's like i want to marry her so i even though that's weird I, it's just the villain didn't even stand out in a weird way at all in uh, Death Island, which is something that I'm, I'm just kind of used to these wacky, hokey villains, and Dylan didn't do it for me, as well as the fact they had this whole little fly virus thing running around affecting people with T-virus, uh, so they tried to sort of just you know court you and say, oh, this, this is this weird thing going on. These zombies are transforming like really fast. And I, I was just like, eh. I, I wasn't really feeling that. At least some of the outbreaks were cool. And, and some of the other movies where it was just chaotic as fuck and it's like, oh, we're in ground zero. It's just time to kill everything. But even that in this whole, you know, prison setting, it's it was cool to have it there, but it just felt like it was undercooked on explaining things. Uh, and I felt that way as well about Infinite Darkness on some of the war aspects and, and some of the aspects they had in that show. Although I feel like they at least tried at the end to bring it together, whereas Death Island was like, okay, uh, we're too invested into the team-up aspect to really care about a lot of these lingering plot threads, so let's just have everyone kill the giant monster and that's it. And that was kind of unsatisfying in my opinion. Um, now that I look back on that movie, is it worth rewatching i would say yes it's, it's not the worst film in the world but the weakest story probably so so i'm gonna go with death island on that i i, I feel as though they could have done a lot better than what they gave us and even when they tried they had the opportunity to piece it all together at the end they decided not to so that is my opinion on the worst story of the cgi movies I'm going to move on to number four, and we're going to say which of these movies had the most unique and original premise, in your opinion, in terms of stuff you've never seen uh, Resident Evil try or do, or just ideas that were tied together nicely. Burn, you are the first one up to bat. Okay, so I'm going to say, um, just like straight out, 
And I think the most unique and original one of this is actually Biohazard for the Executor. Um, might be controversial and everything, but um, as I said, Biohazard for the Executor is a short film that does something different that all of the other CGI films here uh, don't do. Um, Degeneration, Damnation, Vendetta, Dead Island, Infinite Darkness, all of them have all of the characters that we know and love. You know, Jill, Chris, Claire, uh, Leon, Rebecca, all of those characters that we already know that they will survive no matter what, because obviously Capcom is not going to just like suddenly kill Leon in uh, Resident Evil Dead Island just out of the blue. Obviously not. Uh, so we know that the characters, no matter in which kind of peril they are, they are going to survive. But Biohazard for the Executor, outside of, even though during like the whole uh, short film, uh, the characters are out in like a deserted city, you still feel kind of like claustrophobic in that same sense. I don't know how to explain that like really correctly, but it's that you feel some sense of claustrophobia at the same time while also trying to see what exactly is going on because you don't know these characters. These are just like a team of uh, special forces that might or might not be disposable completely. Like they might be dying in this same short or maybe one of them will survive. Maybe all of them will survive. You don't know exactly. And I think that's actually the most unique thing that they have because it also doesn't go so much into the whole like action thing. Like um, it does have some action sections, like extremely short, but instead of like the whole movie being that, it's just like a small section while they're running away. So for the executor, I think it's actually the most unique and original out of the out of the mold, but because it's the one in which you don't know if the main characters are disposable or not. All right, I'm gonna go on this one since I seen a uh, 4D executor in full as well. I I really have to agree that in terms of originality and and what they do. And, and everything they present here that it is the most original one out of all of them I, if there is a close second at all i will say it, at least like 100 i i feel like it was crazy how they presented uh a lot of elements going on in damnation but in terms of just sheer originality and like stuff you've never seen in this executor virus going around affecting people and turning them into these body horror individuals airborne virus for the first time as well it, it was um well i say second but well it did it first so it was first time uh but still it was impressive to see i i really enjoyed it they amplified the threats enough they made it different to where it's not just t-virus or g-virus this is something like completely different and serious and uh character even the main character died at the end like he got his face torn apart he lost and you could say the villain actually won in that story which has like it happened in all the other movies like yeah you could say like arius won in the beginning but he still lost technically over chris but he actually like the the main guy actually died uh that was the protagonist of the 4d executor movie and the villain got away and that has never happened in any of these other movies i'm just gonna have to easily say in terms of originality and just 
what they did for the executor. Next, we're going to let Shadow go. So I have to go with the question that doesn't involve 4D Executor. Wonderful. I was hoping I would uh, dodge this. No. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably a, a fair shout uh, out the lot, but I've only got the main movies to go on, so I draw the short straw here. Um, it's a tough one. Um, I think there's several you could probably count out pretty quickly. Um, you know, and it, it I think it comes to me like... Do you, do you praise Degeneration for being the first to kind of dip the toes into like the more grander sort of thing? Or do you kind of, I mean, they've all got a bit to me. Degeneration like had to, had to make a start somewhere. I actually do think the premise is like kind of cool in a way. It's not the most um, unique, I suppose, ultimately end of the day. Like we've seen outbreaks before and, you know, like lockdowns and that sort of thing is obviously, you know, it's definitely filling. It's just, again, I'm kind of partial to the film. Um, I probably have to go back again to like to to Damnation again. I just think that the overall plot of like set inside like of, of a civil war um, is something that like has not really ever happened before. Like we've had situations of like you know conflicts that sort of thing. Resident Evil Six obviously has that in bits and pieces as well, um, and whatever else. But it, it probably has to be Damnation. You can also maybe say Vendetta just because the story of that is just so completely and utterly ludicrous that it almost defies all logic of conventions, you know, of like, you know, um, what was the motive for the reason the main guy wanted to, like, get revenge? It was like his, it was at, having a wedding or something, and he got, like, it was like an airstrike or a drone strike or something. It's just completely and utterly bonkers. So, Vendetta's probably, like, an honorable mention here, but I think just for the general setting overall and, like, the stuff going on, and, you know, I, I, for me, it's damnation, but it's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. It kind of depends what you, what you fancy. Okay, so you are right. Uh, yes, Arius's wedding was bombed by the government, which prompted Leon to say that line, oh, well, uh, we're supposed to be the good guys now, right? Which shows that, you know, bombing people's it's, weddings is not good for his faction at all. It's just so absurd. Like, it's just completely and utterly ridiculous. But that's, you know, it is Resident Evil for you. It kind of fries when it's just, like, throwing itself headfirst into the, into the pool of absurdness um so vendetta is close but i i think i just like damnation setting and everything like that so it's, it's flat for me ren ren ben what about you what is the most original cgi movie in your opinion yeah also i'm gonna say damnation i unfortunately have not seen uh 4d executor in full yet but i'm gonna give it an honorable mention because what i did see i was like whoa <laughs> it looks very cool also i i just like the idea of um I definitely want to give it an honorable mention because it has such a well-contained story just in uh, what is actually quite a short amount of time. But um, for me, I'm going to say uh, Damnation because I liked, uh, much the same as Shadow said, I enjoyed, uh, or well, I liked that they did the, you know, they said it in the Civil War. They gave it quite a bit of historical, like, context, you know, like talking about the fall of the Soviet Union and how that tied in with it and you know, why why things are the way that they are. Um, and again, like I've mentioned a few times now, I liked how they handled, uh, you know, kind of married the ideas of the Las Plagas and the the uh, the liquors. And um, we got to see because uh, I haven't mentioned the tyrants yet, the tyrants at the end, although that part I was like, what the heck? Like, what? OK, now we're going to throw tyrants at them. OK. But what I liked about the tyrants is we got to see, because we don't, it's always 
talked about in the games about how like Nemesis has is wearing what he's wearing to contain things and same with Mr. X but in the movies we actually get to see what happens to these tyrants when their protective stuff that's supposed to keep them contained is gone and we actually got to see that and that was really cool I thought and we got to see it in a way that was different from the games uh and they were quite a bit larger than the ones in the games but um and again I just um I thought the premise for it was really cool and the being a, a bit of a history nerd the historical context really uh spoke to me in a way that you know you don't really get with the other game you don't really get with the other movies all right, so we're moving on to question number five. And of course, we all love kick-ass action sequences and scenes where people are just getting beat into a pulp. So which of these movies had the best action scenes in your opinion? We're going to go with Burn first. I will definitely say that will be Resident Evil Vendetta. The whole ending sequence, the whole fight between Chris and I've forget uh, his name the uh, villain of the story at the very end on the top of the building his name like, is uh glenn arius glenn arius okay thank you thank you thank you so yeah the whole fight at the end between uh chris and glenn arius also the whole like shooting sequence between chris and leon in the zombies in the hallway like that whole thing it's amazing i love it so much um it looks flashy in some in some parts but it's definitely i will say that it's definitely enjoyable from beginning to end so uh, yeah Vendetta for me. What about you, Shadow? I mean, Leon rode along a motorway on a motorcycle, shooting at zombie dogs, went into a building, rode up an elevator, and then lobbed the bike at the main bad dude. It's Vendetta. There's, there's, there's no, there's no question. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, 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 it's an absolute spectacle. Uh, again, there are a couple of decent mentions. I actually reckon like Infinite Darkness has some pretty cool moments in it as well. Uh, action sequences wise just because it looks really really slick and, and very very detailed um and yeah damnation has a couple of really wild stuff though with the tyrant and liquor fights that sort of thing but it, it's it, it just it, how can it not be resident evil vendor it's just so completely stupidly absurd that it's 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 hard not to admire it it has to be what about you rim rim ben um, I'm also going to say Vendetta because because of the action sequences that were mentioned, the Leon on the bike sequence with the dogs is a personal favorite. Um, but I think also Vendetta gave us some really good zombie action sequences, like when they do the one where it's from like the police dashboard cam, like there you see the zombies just going ham. And it's just it was a that was a really good action sequence as well. Um but yeah, especially that fight at the end where they're up on the rooftop. I mean, even the the crazy choreographed like dancing, literally running in circles around each other stuff that you know Chris and and Arius are doing. I was like, this is so silly, but it's so entertaining. Uh, <laughs> but uh, honorable mention, I do want to say um, Damnation. Uh, the fight between Ada and the president is a really good action sequence as well because it's not like they yeah she gets a knife at one point but like it's some cqc that you don't normally get to see as often in resident evil and it was kind of cool to see uh that kind of like you know that cqc kind of uh combat or fighting uh in a movie as well 
yeah i'm gonna have to agree with the masses on this one so my answer is not going to be like too diverse or different but i agree that vendetta is the craziest action they had is fight scenes galore in that movie you will not there's no way that you will get bored watching any of the pure spectacle going on in that film it is 100 insane even to the point where i think it's like way too over the top because I'm, I'm fucking talking about like leon literally mows down dogs on the highway and cars galore are piling up with people in them and he throws a grenade onto a dead dog and explodes the entire highway with civilians everywhere. It, it doesn't make logical sense. Uh, there is no human life worth accounting for in this movie, but still it is the most stupid and fun spectacle you will ever see. So like I said, uh, turn your brain off to zero, make sure that the percentage is low and you're going to have a swell time with this action flick. I, I again, it's like I love everything that they do, or um, at times I don't love it, but at times it's like holy shit! At least they actually try something that's like kind of cool to watch with uh, the action scenes in the hallway with like Leon and Chris. Uh, I I thought that was fine. It was well done. In terms of honorable mentions, I would have to go with Damnation. I think Damnation is a movie where it has a lot of cool action scenes as well. The only thing that stops it from being number one is the infrequency of them. And I get that. I understand they tried to focus on the human element of these characters and give them exposition as opposed to nonstop action over and over and over again. I get the point of the movie, but still, uh, I, I do feel like I can't really rank this as a high action movie because of it when the fight scenes do happen they are incredible though i'm not gonna lie but i felt like vendetta had a lot more and that is my uh, opinion on best action sequences i have to go with uh definitely resident evil vendetta and close second is damnation next we're going to have the final three questions a lot of people say that resident evil cgi movies are infinitely better than live action Cite your reasoning for why people state this opinion, even if the quality varies. We'll go with Burn first. Um, I don't understand maybe why a lot of people will say that the CGI movies are infinitely better, mostly because they don't try to be like an adaptation or something. They are products based within the same world. So you can play the games and watch the movies as complementary information or lore or just like development of the characters, but they are not exactly mandatory or anything like that. Meanwhile, the live action films, well, they are supposed to be, or they were supposed to be a direct adaptation of the games, which they don't do, honestly. Um, although a little bit of a, a controversial or unpopular opinion, but I actually do like the live action films, but I don't like, uh, seeing them as Resident Evil. They are their own story and everything. They are the story of Alice and all of that. And they have characters that have the same name as the main Resident Evil characters. Um, but definitely, I will say that the CGI movies uh, work also a lot better, mostly because if you compare, for ex uh, let's say, for example, Resident Evil Vendetta versus Resident Evil... Um, I'm trying to think uh, about like the fourth one extension uh, let's go for extension uh, actually um if you compare both vendetta to let's say extension both our movies are uh, have the same kind of 
blow up action um, sequences that that boat had, but it works a lot better for the CGI movies because in the live action they end up looking a little bit not so good, just like exaggerated, exaggerated, maybe a little bit too false, maybe too noticeable with the CGI. But in a CGI film like uh, Vendetta will be that that is not an issue because it is CGI. So I will say that it's mostly that it's because um, the CGI movies are mostly just like a complementary uh, product. And also because the action sequences work way better in the CGI films because it is CGI at the end. Seeing CGI in a CGI film is way better than looking at CGI in a live action film. So I think that speaks for itself. Black Shadow, it is your turn. What do you think of this question? It's a bit multifaceted. Um, I think it's it depends a little bit on who there is a bit of who you are. In amongst our sort of our sort of circles and dealing with a lot of like video gaming, obviously there's a lot of insistence and like perhaps irritation otherwise of when you end up not having um when stuff deviates in source material now. I, I wouldn't want to talk ill of Mr. Paul Anderson. I would I would never Never dreamed to do it, but it's, you know, he said himself, basically, like, obviously, as the live actions have gone along, they originally had, obviously, the first one was its own thing, and then the second film, Apocalypse, was sort of semi-tied into the plot of Resident Evil 3, and obviously diving into that, but obviously, as things have gone on, uh, it became its own sort of story branch and its own thing. And the problem is, is that if you're interested in the Resident Evil plotline, you're not necessarily going to be interested in Max, it's completely different. And also, if you decide you actually want to go ahead and watch, you know, like action movies and such, there are hundreds of them. You know, if you're going to go and do that, I, like, I'd go watch like Underworld or something, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I can understand why that. I think the other thing as well, like the CGI's, I think, is that they are kind of like... There's not that many movies, even nowadays, like that are like, you know, full CGI movies. You don't see that a ton. Obviously, you see a lot that incorporate elements of it, but like an absolute full-on CGI night minute sort of long thing is, you know, you don't see that a ton. So I think there's a degree of, of uniqueness to it, um, even if perhaps some of the films aren't necessarily the best. But I think it's just the fact that obviously the films, like for those that are like obviously interested in the RE plot line, which I think is going to be probably the majority of people that watch these films. Uh, you know, some people obviously, you know, get to people who have no idea Resident Evil and will have a watch them. But I do think a large portion of the people that watch these CGIs, especially, are people that are interested in the Resident Evil series as a whole. And so they expect it to be a bit more tied into canon, which obviously they do. And they're tied into filling various gaps here and there. And that gives you the opportunity to add in the characters that you know. You can be a lot more familiar with the voice actors. Obviously, you think back to like um, a good example would be. Um, Welcome to Raccoon City, wasn't it? From whenever, whatever, uh, whatever year it was, we watched that on the channel as well, I believe, didn't we? Yes, we have. Um, now the problem with that is that how do you make that but keep it sort of fairly tied to the plot? Which was the intention. I'm pretty sure, like going into it, I believe that it was you know the same. We're going to have this is going to be fairly tied into the general plot line of Resident Evil. But like, how are you meant to do that? Um, because you can't have like the voice actors that you know 
doing the voices for these characters because they're typically not going to be doing the acting because they're voice actors. They're not like live action actors. So it, it, it's all kind of difficult. Um, but yeah, I think that's generally why it's it's generally a plot thing. I think for a lot of folks that watch these, they just want stuff to like make sense in regards to the storyline that has been weaved over the course of 20 years. And you've got a far easier job of doing that in a CGI where you can control every aspect of what's going on, whereas there are some limitations of that in, in live actions. So, um, you know, and then obviously the live actions are obviously based around the story of Alice, which has no bearing on the Resident Evil plot that we know of. So what are you going to do? Ren Ren Ben, what do you think of this question of how people say the CGI movies are just infinitely better than live action? What is the exact problem there? So... I saw all the CGI movies first before I ever saw, with the exception of Welcome to Raccoon City, which came out right around when I got really, really into Resident Evil. Um, and unpopular opinion, I really liked Welcome to Raccoon City, especially now that I've seen all of the, uh, the Anderson films. Um, and I think a big part of why, um, and, and at least this was the case for me, a big part of why I enjoy the CGI movies more than uh, the majority of the live action movies is because uh, the characters in the CGI movies are treated and feel like the characters that I remember from the games. Um, and that may be due to the CGI movies being canon to the storyline. Uh, you know, there's, of course, uh, you know, as was mentioned, the fact that you can control all the aspects of a CGI movie. Um, but I know, like, one of my biggest beefs, I guess you could say, uh, particularly with the, with Anderson movies, with the Anderson Resident Evil movies, is that um, I felt like so many of the characters that I really loved from from those game or from these games were done so dirty because so much of the focus was on Alice that. Um, you know, Jill fell by the wayside and things that I expected to see Jill doing. Like they even um, I think is it that is it the second movie or the third movie? Like they literally have Alice do the running sequence from Code Veronica at the beginning. Like they literally have her do Claire's exact running sequence from Code Veronica. And I was like, that is that wait, what? And I think that's where, um, at least for me, and I know some of my friends that I've talked about this with as well. Um, the case for the CGI movies being better is because the characters that we know and love get treated, it feels like, with more love and care in the CGI movies than they sometimes have been in the live action movies. Um, quality notwithstanding, I still would like, I mean, like I've said, Degeneration is probably one of my least favorite of the CGI movies, but I would still watch that over most of the live action movies um, any day of the week because I felt like I'm like, that's Leon, that's Claire. Those are, you know, those are the characters that I know and love and they're acting the way I would kind of expect them to. And, you know, Welcome to Raccoon City wasn't perfect, but I still felt like the characters that I know and love got treated better in that movie than they did in other movies so um i think that's where a lot of that opinion stems from is seeing characters we know and love just not treated the way that we would hope they would be treated yeah i'm gonna piggyback off of that and and agree and say i mean we talked about this on the live action resident evil podcast when we talked about those movies so i will link that in the description shameless plug but uh i remember bringing up 
the point where I talked about how there was a huge absence of characters like Claire Redfield or Chris or any of the other characters. I think Jill too. And I was like, Ada, Leon, I was like, what, what happened between these movies? And it was explained to me by someone else that you had to read one of the Resident Evil live action novels to understand that most of the characters died in Washington, D.C. off screen. Uh, so that just bewildered me. It made me very, very like angry and question what are they doing and, and why are these characters not there? And I think it's also just an epiphany of noticing that they did these characters kind of dirty. And I think that's why many people just don't like these movies. Uh, and now I know they made a lot of money. I won't discredit the fact that they made a lot of money. People came in the theaters and seen them. And I thought the first three movies was pretty entertaining. I, I didn't like the decisions that they did for the second film where it's like, okay, you're going to take Jill and just sideline her and use Alice as the launching pad for the main character. I, I didn't like that, but I, I thought the movie was overall still watchable. Just once these nitpicks and nuances of uh, issues and how time went on just sort of piled up and it became more and more and more unlike the series with the characters. And I think that's the main problem with the CGI movies. At least you're saying, their plan is safe by giving us the heroes that we want to see. You see Leon doing Leon things, even though they always select him for these movies, but still you kind of know how it's going to go with that character where he's like super aged badass. Uh, same for all the other heroes that they brought in eventually, like Chris and Claire and Rebecca. You know how it's going to go because these are the characters you know. I think that is what gravitates them more towards people who tend to like Resident Evil because they know what to expect. They're playing it safe. Uh, but on the other hand, I do notice that these are adaptations at times. They will take liberties. And I, I'm not a person that is 100% against liberties. I always said, like, religiously, that I don't mind liberties being taken. This is why I thought that The Last of Us HBO show was, like, really great. Because the liberties they took was kind of fun, actually, and enjoyable. But there is a way that you need to execute them in a good way. Like while that show gave us a lot more backstory into some of the characters and how the affection spread through like bread and everything. I feel as though Resident Evil didn't even try to do anything like remotely like that. It was like, let's just do our own thing and let's deviate off the path as much as possible to the point where it doesn't even make sense. And I think that kind of is the thing that hurts that adaptation the most now i, I really didn't hate uh welcome to raccoon city I, I didn't hate it but i didn't love it either but it was a step in a direction where i kind of preferred it to be in where you had all these callbacks and references to resident evil and i felt that was kind of the way to go versus just i'm gonna deviate all the way and now will become the Alice show and it will, it will become barely recognizable. And I think that's something they should have course corrected before it was too late. Overall though, I, I, I don't mind another director or someone like that taking the helm and, and doing something with Resident Evil for live action. But I do believe there needs to be some form of quality control. And that's the only way that it's going to be like 
recognizable to be great it's why fans are making their own resident evil movies it's why uh we're getting the keeper's diary which is being made uh by the residents of evil team uh, so we can get those sort of ideas and maybe hollywood will see like oh we're gonna try to get the ball rolling because there is something creative there when it's done right and that's kind of what i want for the future I'm going to move on to the next question and this is a funny one this kind of happened with death island but it's about jill's character capcom mandated jill to stay younger due to the virus in her bloodstream this caused a bit of discussion in the resident evil community how do you feel about how they integrated this with the movie lore the game lore and everything with this virus keeping characters younger in the games and in the films burn you are the first up to bat Thank you. I will say, I don't know. I kind of like the whole explanation. I mean, seeing Jill just like uh, coming back was definitely good. And seeing her just like young as if she's directly taken straight out from uh, the remake tree was actually kind of weird. Because uh, we know that in Dead Island, um, Jill came back supposedly after what happened in Resident Evil 5. And we know that the time difference between Resident Evil 3 to 5 is actually quite a lot. So I'm pretty sure maybe it's just because I didn't notice it so much, but I thought that uh, Jill really looked like it's exactly the same model, not even like one single uh, detail or anything, even if it was as if she been um, as if she has been in more situations. I think that the whole explanation, like the whole in-lore reason of why uh, she still looks so young and all that, it's actually kind of interesting and nice. And also, I will think that that, has a, that opens a lot of more possibilities for things that Jill could start doing. Because considering that she has a little bit of the infection in some way, um, even if it's not like something uh, totally permanent or anything like that, just the fact that and now on the side of the good guys, we have someone that has been infected previously. Maybe that will uh, do a lot more, um, just like in general, just like doing more experimentation. Maybe they can start working on some kind of antivirus, um, some, something like that. I think the reason was good. I just think that maybe just so out of the blue, like with no previous notice or anything, it fell underdeveloped. I will, I will give it a little bit of a of another unpopular opinion, but I will say that maybe, uh, before releasing Resident Evil Dead Island, we need to have the Resident Evil Five remake so that we can see that whole story. The things that we already know what's going on later. Uh, so when the upcoming, because it's gonna come at some point. Uh, Resident Evil 5 remake arrives. Now we're gonna see uh, how it should look in that in that specific space that we right now don't have a full vision right now. So definitely, if Dead Island will have waited a couple of years until a Resident Evil 5 remake, so that we could have the whole thing with Jill more fresh, I think that will have been amazing. It's it it was weird the way that it was done. But I think that it's nice in general to work the character in that way. I mean, it's almost basically the same reason of why um, Alice looks so young, like exactly the way she is in the live action films. Also that and the fact that, I mean, it's Milo Jovovich. That woman doesn't get old at all. He is ageless, man. So, Shadow, uh, 
what do you think of this perspective of them trying to make Jill younger with the virus? Do you think it's explained well, or do you have problems with it? Cite your issues, or are you fine with it? So, I could be cynical and suggest that it's a very convenient, uh, you know, bit of pace to cover over some, what would have been some pretty potentially blatant plot holes. I could be very cynical and say that people don't want to watch a movie and see 45-year-old Jill Valentine. I could be even more cynical and say that the person that designs Jill's costumes at Capcom was on holiday that week and they couldn't be asked to call him back, so they just made a dress in the exact same clothes that she'd worn in an event 15 years prior to the events of the film. But that aside, um... I don't have a huge issue with it. It is a bit convenient. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I do think that even if you're going to do that and have this kind of plotline, like, she should have worn something different. That that was just a bit too jarring. I I've, I've talked about this before on, on this channel as well, that, like, Death Island is... And I imagine what she will be is... This is basically Jill Valentine's soft reboot. That's, that's what's going on. She... I, I still have money on it uh, on this channel that she will return in Resident Evil 9 um, and Chris and Jill will finally sail off into the sunset. And I imagine that's the way that goes. And I think that's the way it should go. The problem is, is that Jill hasn't really featured in anything for quite a while uh, for various reasons, obviously, you know, and you think realistically with what happened in Resident Evil 5, like that's going to have a lot of effects. And obviously that one's touched upon um, in Death Island and that's that's totally fine. But at the same time, as I say, it is kind of convenient. This isn't the first thing I've seen anything like that. Uh, I have played on my own channel, uh, plenty of it, uh, the Parasite Eve series. I don't know if any of you guys have know much about Parasite Eve or have played it much. I, I was on the podcast with you when we discussed it. I know, it. I know yeah. you were, yeah. We, we talked about that. I don't know about the, the others here. Um, I, I'll keep it TLDR because like, I would say to folks, you know, if you don't play Parasite Eve, you should certainly give the first one a spin. It's a bit bit old now i suppose it may not have aged the best but it's still pretty cool but the tldr um is that the the main character of the uh of the franchise uh, aya brea uh she's in a similar state where she is but it's never been confirmed but she might be biologically immortal um due to the um it's it's again a little bit complicated but basically there is stuff going on inside of her um, that is the result of some crazy genetics, which basically means that her cells are like constantly like re refreshing themselves uh, to the point that it means that like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years sort of down the line, like biologically, she's barely aged because that's just like her, her body's way of like keeping itself going. Um, and this is also a little bit crazy when you think about it, and it's maybe there's a touch of convenience about it to kind of fill in other potential plot things. But I, it's not the first time I've had anything where something is going on in a person because of a virus or because of some unique circumstances, which means that they basically don't age. It's a very convenient way of allowing um, a character to remain in a fairly kind of recognizable state, if you will, uh, amongst various iterations over the course of time. So you have to worry about particular about redesigns. There are people that say, oh, yeah, I recognize them, even if it's like 15 years down the line. It's not the first time seeing this. I do think it is a little bit much with Jill. Like, I get it. Like, oh, she's infected with the virus. So that means some crazy things going to happen. And, and that's fine. I mean, I do find it funny oh, that, that apparently she's not aged. She managed to get her, ha her hair's gone brown again. Um, I think that's kind of funny. 
Um, personally speaking, I mean, it's it, it's fine. I can get if a couple of people are a bit jarred by it, and it is a bit jarred by it. Um, you know, and it does mean that we know that when it comes to again, if she does appear in Resident Evil Nine, that we know it's not going to be like fifty-year-old Jill uh, design-wise. She's you know, it's going to be not too dissimilar to what we've seen prior. Um, and maybe this is a way that they're going to use to like, even if Chris, because Chris is like, what he's in his what mid-fifties at this point now, I think storyline-wise. I think uh, somewhere around there, which is, you know, pretty old. And, like, he's he's kind of done it really, realistically, at, at this point, um, being in the field. So maybe what they're going to do is maybe Jill's going to be the one to go on down the line. I don't know. But the problem is then you get to the point of, like, you know, of, of fatigue. You know, you think, what, Resident Evil 1 was, what, 1996? You know, it's nearly 2024. That's a, you know, it's a long time to have the same sort of characters going on. So... I think it's kind of one of those watch it space. Um, I don't mind it in principle, I guess, because I get what's going on, as long as it's not too absurd. I don't think the Jill thing is too absurd. Um, and it's just, she just should have worn a different tank top. Like, I like the outfit. I think it's a cool design. I liked it when Resident Evil 4 remake happened. Resident Evil 4 remake? Resident Evil 3 remake happened. You know, I, I appreciated it, but she just should have worn something different. But other than that, it's it's. Ren Ren Ben, what about you? I'm sitting over here smirking. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of a different perspective. So um I was fine with Jill looking the way that she did. And I'm saying that as someone who's around Jill's age and does not look at, at her does not look that age either. Um a lot of people seem to get um up in arms about Jill looking younger. They thought Jill looked too young. They thought Claire looked too young. They thought Rebecca looked too young. And I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> everybody's got to kind of take a deep breath and take a step back. They're not 80. They're only in their mid to late 30s, early 40s. That's not that old, especially nowadays. Um, I thought the virus explanation was an interesting choice. Um, it I, I, uh, I'm also familiar with the Parasite E franchise. When you said that, I went mitochondria. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, a lot of stuff got done to her uh, that we don't, that, you know, is only barely touched on in Resident Evil 5. Because, you know, she didn't just have the virus in her, she was experimented on. She had uh, that pump on her, it changed her hair color, did a lot of things. Um, you know, that uh, saying that it's due to the virus in her bloodstream kind of covers uh, a lot of um, plot holes, as as, uh, as Shadow mentioned. Um, I don't really care, I guess, if they say it's a virus that made them younger. At this point, they've all been infected anyway, so you could, you could definitely run with that explanation in Resident Evil. They've all been infected with something. Um, but uh, I guess, like, in terms of how how they went with Jill's design, I didn't mind it because part of me also thought, because I can't remember, one of my friends made this point, and I thought it was a really, really good point. She's been through a lot, and she went through a lot between the events of, you know, like 1998, Resident Evil 3, and Resident Evil 5, and what she went through at the hands of Wesker. Um, that was probably, a, like, that time when she was, you know, getting experimented on and had all those things going on, she was basically a prisoner in her own mind. Like, she was going through a lot, and I'm sure she probably uh, does not want to think about that if she can, because, 
a very normal response would be to just kind of block that out. So maybe, um, and this is probably me reaching a little bit, part of the reason why they designed, you know, her design went the way it was, is maybe it was sort of like a way of, if you're Jill, that was when she felt the strongest, was in 1998, when she was, you know, taking on Nemesis, she got out of Raccoon City, um... You know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons they could have gone with it. It could have been laziness. It could have been, like you said, like maybe the person who was supposed to design her new outfit was out of the office that day. Um, but I, I kind of like to think because they did at least have, um, you know, the uh, the the wherewithal to at least slightly address some of her issues and some of the things that she went through and what is going on in her mind because. That's a lot of therapy. That's going to be a lot of therapy for a long time. Um, but I, I wouldn't be like if they said it had something to do with like that was when she felt the strongest. She felt strongest wearing these wearing this style outfit because it reminded her of when, you know, like better times. If they said that, I'd be like, honestly, that makes a, makes a lot of sense to me. That seems like a very valid trauma response to have. Um so I guess, but going back to the original question, um, it didn't really bother me that they said that. Um, I it never bothered me the way that all, any of the three, um, the three women in, in Death Island looked because they're not that old. <laughs> they're not that old. Um, Chris has seemed to age a little bit rougher, I think, but um, also in general, women kind of can age a little bit better than men, anyways. So. Um, it didn't bother me as much as it seemed to have bothered a, a lot of people in the, in the community, um, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, that's my take on it. I'm going to be blunt. Uh, normally on this topic, if they do decide to make Jill with white hair and make her older or put wrinkles on her, people are going to bitch and cry anyway. So it's like, why do you want this choice and decision to happen knowing that you're going to say, oh, she looks too old now. Like, I, she's not bangable anymore. I'm just like, I don't think people would be pleased either way if that happens. Um, that being said, I understand from a plot perspective that it is cool to see characters aged up from their original counterparts you know you go back and you look at leon from how he was a naive fresh-faced baby uh in resident evil 2 like he's just green he's completely new on the force his first day on the job and then you look at him from re6 and you could tell it's the same sort of design philosophy but he's more grizzled and gruff and uh he has the leather jacket so it, it feels like there's a lot more style to the character this time around and I, I i like that transition from you know the guy who was green on the force to now he's this badass veteran that can take on anything and i i do like that they show some sort of representation there of how these characters have matured over the years because it has been like uh 20 something odd years since raccoon city uh so i do i do like that and maybe they're going to show more of that with re9 i would like to see them delve into how some of the time skip has gone and how the characters look from then to now after village uh, i do want to see that progression because a lot could change in like 
15 16 years and that's a long time uh for the heroes uh obviously they're going to be significantly aged if they show more of a window into the future but i think it's going to be like over time it's going to be flashbacks in re9 if so and they're going to show how uh present happens and how past happens and then maybe it's going to be a thing like that i don't know we'll wait and see but going back to jill after that tangent i do think that it is convenient writing like shadow said uh because it's like now we can sort of incorporate the fact that oh she has these abilities um they're you know latent you know she is older now but she doesn't really look it and we can sort of keep her the way she is and, and still make her a badass i do understand people saying oh well she doesn't really look that much different from her appearance in re3 and i get that but at the same time there are differences there like people cited her having a little bit of white streaks in her hair this time around it's not really the most noticeable but it is there and she also has uh you know some wrinkles on her face so it's not like she isn't aging with the virus and it is a convenient excuse but it means they're gonna keep around the character that we love since she just got like introduced back into the game uh so i'm i'm just like now she's going to you know probably be an re9 where it's the most important and that's one of the most important things people ask for after the ending of village where it's like okay now the bsa is compromised they want chris dead jill is a founder of the bsa how is that going to factor into the story and now they're finally going to probably tell that in the next game and i guess this sort of explanation is needed that's the way they can keep like the sort of uh face mocap the the actress that did that around as well as uh add some touches here or there which i, I don't really have a problem with like other people do like i said i believe if they did significantly make jill into a grandma or something like that it would be no pleasing these people because then they would just complain that she's too old which is probably why they did it in the first place why they made that choice in the first place and it's like Rem Rem ben said everyone has been infected by now with the virus the t-virus so you could sort of say hey they have some sort of latent abilities here or there but they all been infected and is slowing their aging down uh, but i still want to see that maturity level going into future games or titles like uh chris is a good example he's definitely looking you know worn uh after his appearance in village and i think that should factor into maybe like some white hair or maybe he's tougher looking uh, or something has changed over time in this 15 year time gap which i hope they do anyway we're gonna oh go ahead as i say there's a lot of talk there definitely i don't want to interrupt but i feel like you probably touched upon probably the most pertinent reason the very start she wouldn't be bangable anymore yeah, <laughs> you said it. I just like, yeah, that's done and dusted. That's pretty much it. Thanks for watching, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. I, I, I do feel like the, those people wanting that change, they're going to be very angry if they decided to do. Oh well, she's she doesn't have these latent um sort of viral tendencies uh, behind her, but now it's just like, oh, she's too old, so they ruined the uh, character appearance entirely. Which is just like, I, I think it's a no win situation with no matter how you slice it because people are going to react that way 
Yeah, this is probably the the least bad, but it's just yeah, you just said it. I just, it just, it just, it just couldn't help but stick her. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's um, fine. It's fine. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. <laughs> I, I was gonna say to piggyback on that too. I think you hit the nail on the head um, by saying that it's a it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. You're gonna have people that are gonna be upset regardless of how you decide to to treat these characters and how they age. Um, it's it's there's going to be people who are going to be unhappy regardless yeah but yeah the, there's no way that people will be happy anyway mm -hmm. but i i i think what's the most important thing is going forward from here in, in terms of how they are in the future and what has significantly changed in the timeline that's what i'm looking forward to seeing because i feel like at this rate with that time skip anything can happen like we don't know what happened off screen. We the only thing we know is that the world is still fine. There's no post-apocalyptic scenario, thank God. Which means that the heroes were somewhat successful in stopping bioterrorism, but to what degree or what is brewing up behind the scenes or what's going on now in the current atmosphere, we don't know that. And I think that's the most interesting part after seeing that epilogue with Rose. I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm curious to see what roles people are in. And, and we know roles change. Like people could be in different positions or they could be doing different things with different companies or they could be uh, dying, which is also a case because uh, someone else brought this up to me. Like we don't we don't know if people have like diseases or if they are dying at this rate or something is going on with them. But that's something I'm curious to find out if they will go down that route, I guess only time will tell on that but that is the most interesting thing i'm looking forward to uh what they will do i, I feel like appearance wise is just yeah it's par for the course but it's nothing that really will break the mold in terms of how they look as long as they look cool that's all i care about uh but jill being an old lady is like the least uh, concern on my mind really but we're going to move on to the final question. Very fun, entertaining podcast. And this is um, with all the plot lines that these movies, TV shows have established so far with the CGI films, which direction do you think they should head in with the next CGI film or TV show? In your opinion, what would you like to see as a scenario? We're going to have Burn go first. So I think we with the way that the movies have been progressing i think we've seen exactly something that they are aiming for uh they're really aiming for a uh, big cameos like really having everyone everyone on track um i'm not sure what we can do on the future right now uh with the new characters being introduced like for example we know for a fact that uh rose is gonna be uh it appears to be a character but we don't know maybe what will happen with resident evil 9 if it comes uh sooner sooner or later um but it definitely seems that they're going to be joining uh more forces in that way uh we're going to be seeing way more creatures um dead island i think was the closest that we've seen to the characters actually being infected and dying um so i don't know if maybe they will be taking more risk more risk like that um, now that we have Jill, uh, who can probably be some kind of maybe antiviral uh, reasoning or something. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the future for the CGI films is a little bit of uh, an unsure kind of thing, because 
they can really surprise us with anything. Like, hell, maybe one of the next movies will have Ethan in some way, or maybe some mentioning of, of the character, or even uh, maybe a child rose or something. Um, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. But yeah, right now, I don't think I know what, what they might be doing for the future. What about you, Shadow? What do you think of this? It's a bit of a tricky one. Um, it's The problem is, is that I, I really don't know. I don't think doing stuff that's going to tread on the toes of like upcoming imminent plot from Resident Evil games is probably a good idea. I think that might be a bit... A bit much. Uh, generally speaking, these films have either like done something which is not related to the plot of anything that's gone on in a main game, or has been like a obviously a loose tie-in, filling gaps in between them. And I think that's generally been a pretty decent spot for them to fulfill. Um, I do think that maybe an area that could be of some interest. Again, it's difficult because like this is I think is going to be the a main part of Resident Evil Nine because it was obviously alluded to is the uh, the corruption of the BSAA. Um, and I think what might be a nice way to do it is maybe something that leads in sort of between 8 and leading into 9. Like I say, they've done leadings between like 4 and 5 and Revelation, but those have come way, way long after the actual facts. Whereas I think actually maybe doing something that leads in from, from, from Village uh, into the upcoming nine as like so that like if you've watched it there'd be nice some nice touches to it and some things you might appreciate about the story coming up soon but it's not mandatory uh, maybe sort of similar to like uh remedy uh has the their uh, obviously their their combined universe for like you know alan wake and control and that sort of thing like alan wake 2 uh which um you know you don't need control is the same as a control control has some references to stuff that's going to happen in alan wake obviously has the dlc that is you know or awe the, the alan wake dlc um you don't have to have played control to know what the hell's going on in the second game but i imagine it certainly helps uh, so maybe that'd be a nice thing to do. Uh, we do know that, like for example, like Barry uh, eventually got talked into join the BSAA. Well, why not have something where Barry's sort of involved in a little bit? You know, maybe like he's kind of involved with some you know biohazard sort of thing that's going on, which then gives more further credence that maybe things aren't quite what they seem back with the BSAA. You know, and just little touches here and there of plot that will lead into what we'll eventually see with the, the with the ninth game. I mean, that would be the most logical way to do it. It doesn't have to be anything too heavy. Again, any chance to get Professor, Professor Chambers on screen is always appreciated because she's awesome and always deserves more screen time. And I think she will actually appear in the ninth game as well. I've got that as a quiet potential as well. I think she might well make a cameo, which I think would be nice. But we'll have to see what comes up. But I think that would be my my best bet. Uh, the other option as well is maybe, like, obviously that the winter storyline is, is over um, overall. But of course, that doesn't have to necessarily be the case. Like as far as like you know, Ethan's dead, but obviously his daughter certainly isn't. So maybe a touch into that as well could be an idea. And I think that's something that could be cool as well. We know obviously that she has a lot of crazy stuff that she can do. That might be pretty cool to have in a CGI sort of setting. You know, where you can have again a lot more freedom with what you're making. Something like that maybe in like a live action might be a bit difficult and I would suggest has proven difficult perhaps with some of the CGI's we've, we have actually seen the Resident Evil series, uh, the, the live actions we've seen in the series, but under CGI pretenses and an environment where you can make whatever happen however you want, maybe that might be a nice way to actually incorporate a bit easier. So that would be my punt. You know, have like kind of like a little mini lead in of its own thing somewhere, some event, wherever you want to have it. 
but it leads into the uh with some teasers to what's coming into the ninth game would be my show Rim Rim Ben, what about you? Um, I agree with what Shadow was saying that it might be fun to have a future CGI movie um lead into or like hint at um things that are coming in nine. Even if it even if there were something that um even if it's something that say the game comes out, people played the game, and then this goes back later, and I mean probably potentially that would be a DLC for the game as well, but I think that would be kind of cool. But one thought that I had, um, not related to uh, the fu- uh, a future Resident Evil 9, is I think it might be kind of cool to actually go back and touch on, um, even though, oh, so actually, even though it is a DLC that you can play for RE5, I actually would be really down to see a CGI movie version of, um, oh, what is the DLC with Chris and Jill? Um, oh, Lost in Nightmares, um, because that whole sequence was so cool, and I wanted that DLC to be, like, four hours longer. Like, it needed to be so much longer. So to kind of have a chance to expand on that with a CGI movie would be really cool. Uh, and also potentially very cool to tie into uh, a potential um, Resident Evil 5 remake. So, I mean, that's something I mean, other there's there's a lot of plot lines, too, um, that I can that I can think of that they've set up in the movies and then just kind of like pretend then they just kind of it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. They just never come back to them. Like, I'm still really curious about um, Duclair and Leon ever like patch up their friendship after they had that falling out at the end of Infinite Darkness. I thought maybe that would get addressed in Death Island and it didn't, but I was also really curious. Like, that's something that I'm curious about as well. Like, that's one plot line, and you know, there are others as well, but you know, kind of going back and uh, you know, tying these things in or tying them together and tightening them up might be really. Uh, exciting to see as well. It might mean that some of the movies, the only downside is that it could mean that some of the movies might, uh, the CGI movie ideas would be as action oriented. Like they might be more talking or more, uh, you know, um, behind the scenes, so to speak, type things. But I think of the ones I mentioned, probably if they if they ever did do like a CGI movie of a, like that Lost in Nightmares sequence or something similar to that, um, that would that would probably provide them with lots of opportunities for action. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure otherwise, like what scenarios I would want to see, because Death Island's premise was like so completely out of left field and like not something I would have ever expected that I'm like, I'm kind of just happy to see what they come up with next. I do want to just quickly throw in with the, the Claire and Leon thing. Uh, I- Infinite Darkness is set like 10 years prior to Death Island, so um, yeah, it's a long old time, that isn't it? Like plot wise, in regards to like their relationship sort of thing. So I assume something happened in between, but I, I do agree. Yeah, and that's oh, mm, the, I was gonna. Uh, oh, go sorry. Go I was gonna say, yeah, that's why I would like to see that though, because clearly they got along fine in Death Island. But I'm like, you know, like they had there is that they established like that um 
like philosoph like basic philosophical difference to how they're approaching fighting bioweapons. Claire's doing it her way, Leanne's doing it his way, and now they're at an impasse where, you know, she thought that he had her back and vice versa, and it turns out no, he's gonna do things his way and it you know, she doesn't agree with that. So I'm like, okay, I need to know more about this. I think that and I know that is is kind of weird and lame, but uh, I, I do think that this plot point was resolved with Resident Evil 6. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but there is a file that explains that Leon and Chris met up for the first time ever behind the scenes before that game by Claire. So I we don't know the full extent of their relationship by then, but she did introduce Leon and Chris together. And I think that tore down the sort of barrier between the United Nations, BSA, and the DSO because it was mentioned in one of the bonus files. That's all we know, and, and that's about it. Whether we get that conversation or not is up to Capcom, but you bastards, you ruined it in RE6. It's time to sort of get some conclusion on that. Well, and wasn't Claire originally supposed to be in six, but because Revelations two was also coming out, that's why we got Helena and not Claire. I've heard something like that, yes, and I I wouldn't be surprised because Helena's China outfit it looks very reminiscent of something that Claire would wear. It even is the red jacket and everything. So I was just like, okay, this is was this supposed to be Claire? Like I had that thought in the back of my head for like the longest time. I know I've heard that a couple of places that that she was originally supposed to, but because of Revelations too, which makes sense because they're like, oh, we don't want to have her in too many things. But if it had yeah. not been Helena, then we wouldn't have had like all the stuff with her sister and that whole freaking scene that everyone loved, where she. I mean, <laughs> you know what, Ren? It, it's gonna be actually extremely weird. But I've been replaying uh, Resident Evil Six uh, co-op with a friend, and mm -hmm. we just finished the Leon campaign. And we actually noticed exactly the same thing. Like, once we finish it, we were just like, isn't she wearing exactly what Claire will be wearing? And my friend was just like, oh, yeah, you're completely right. Like, out of the blue. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it, but it, it just, like, seems so weird. We both were saying just like, oh, maybe Elena is going to become, like, his new Claire. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Well, then that would make the shippers go crazy because I believe uh, Leon kind of hits on Helena on the airplane. So I would have been tormented for life. Who doesn't because... Leon hit on for Christ's sake? Yeah, I mean, but literally in thing. the damn sub, this lady she's seen for like five minutes. I mean, Claire is like the little sister. It's just kind of is that hey lady. It's just that... kind of like ha not happened yet to the extent of Angela, but I digress. You know what? It, it's fine. He can have Helena. I will take Allison Cole any day of the week. You know what? That's fair enough. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my opinion on this question, I I'm just going to keep it straightforward. There are various ways they could go with this. I, I think you guys gave some great ideas like exploring Rose a bit more because Capcom did make the statement of, oh, we're not going to explore the Winters family going forward, which tells me that Rose is going to be like NPC. Uh, so they could just use that character with her powers and abilities and more about her in the future in like a cgi movie and it would make sense you could put all the action you want because everyone said rose is like a final fantasy character you can make that a spectacle in itself and that would be funny to watch in my opinion or it'd be like entertaining at least uh 
then there is the cut concepts that keep getting introduced but also cut in these movies i can tell they want to move away from leon they 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 keep wanting to but he is the poster child and they just keep putting him in but i can tell they want to move away because originally billy was supposed to be in infinite darkness and they said it didn't make sense and then sheva was supposed to be in death island and they said it didn't make sense so it's like now we have death island which is funny because that is the big team up movie it would have made sense for her to show up or cameo or do something i think what they should do is take an original idea whether it's billy and rebecca and just make that into a movie make it a grounded horror movie and go from there and then you could do a big team up like every now and again uh make your avenger style resident evil movie that's like death island where you got like fan service galore and you can sort of cater to that side that only care about seeing those characters again and i don't want to rain on people's parades but if we never see billy again like i will not shed a tear no i i also second that opinion i i think it's fine but the only reason i mention him is simply because they cut him from infinite darkness which is it's like he was just almost there and then they got there and they said no no we're gonna scale back because the story wouldn't make sense which i agree with the director having billy in a war situation again with his character knowing that he is done with that would never have made sense but yeah. The fact he, that it was almost there was pretty telling, actually. He was a heavily wanted man. He got through some nonsense and then he went off and walked into the sunset. And as far as my head can is concerned, he was hit by a train. <laughs> That's it's fine. <laughs> Though, for those of you that you're know, members of the Billy Cohen Appreciation Society, you just got to let him go. It's been 20 years. All right. It's it's fine. Let him go. It's I- It's OK. I will say, too, that like I could see why they caught him from Infinite Darkness, because they would have also had to explain how they brought him back, because he did kind of walk off into the sunset at the end of Zero. And so, yeah, like would you would need more explanation and probably an alias for him as well. Oh, I, I, I mean, they'd probably would have say that he got captured eventually by the government and they decided to work out some kind of plea bargain with him or some nonsense like that. That would be my assumption, you know, like Bless very you. convenient, you know, it's the government. They're going to do this sort of thing. He's just like, whatever, just get Sh- out of the game. Shadow, we are talking about Resident Evil in here. The government is the most useless organization yeah, in the whole Resident Evil universe. No, no, no. They're, they're not going to be able to find him. Like, Rebecca just said, like, oh, yeah, no, Billy is dead. Oh, well, nope, he is dead. Yep, yep, Mr. President. Yep, the the, the guy's dead. Sorry. And Billy's just, like, so calming Hawaii, maybe. I agree, because they, they never knew all this NSA stuff that was going on behind the scenes with Simmons. It was just sort of happening. And I was thinking to myself, how are they the last ones to not only uh, commission him to do the whole Raccoon City bombing, but to not know anything about the family whatsoever. It is it is interesting when you start to really think about it. That's a really good point, because he he was wasn't he like secretary of defense or something like y- that? Too? Yes. Yes, he yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing all that stuff and nobody was the wiser. Yup, he was he's completely just uh, twiddling his thumbs behind the scenes and kind of getting away with it. But I, I feel as though those cut concepts at least try to do something with them or, or lost characters. I, I, I know that 
this is best reserved for like a revelations but i think it would make a movie kind of interesting just to focus on someone that hasn't had the spotlight for like numerous years uh to see them come back into fruition or uh if they want they could do like a retelling or there, there's many avenues they could go into uh, i think people would prefer some of the stuff to be games which is fine but there are going to be those gaps that need to be filled after the 16 year time jump that was introduced in village so I, I, I strongly believe that's going to be the avenue for new stories going forward. And that would be where I would put some of the new CGI movies, honestly. And I, I, I think that's it for this uh, fun little podcast, talking about the Resident Evil CGI movies and covering our opinions and everything. So I, I had a really great time talking to you guys, holding it down. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. We're going to do the outros. Burn, where can we find you on social media? Thank you. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch as Bernaeon. That's B-E-R-N-A-E-O-N. Um, those are mostly the places where I go. I haven't been streaming so much lately, and I'm working on a lot of videos right now, but I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there no matter what. But I'm terminal, I'm terminally online on Twitter, so you can find me in there if you want. Shadow, where can we find you, buddy? Yeah. Follow me on YouTube, BlackShadow993, also on Twitch at Black underscore Shadow underscore 993. Uh, I mentioned all the Remedy stuff because that's uh, exactly where I'm at at the moment. Uh, I've been streaming Control recently, and I'm literally about to start my playthrough for Alan Wake 2. Um, it's been a long time since I played the first game. I might rewatch a bit of it just to remember what's going on. Uh, getting a brand new console to do everything like that, and I'm seriously looking forward to it. It should be a great spin. Rim Rim Ben, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Twitch, uh, Instagram at uh, RenRenBen. Uh, very easy to find. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok at RenRenBenBen because I screwed up the first time I made an account and can't get my own name now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I stream a lot of horror, uh, a little bit of variety mixed in there, but a uh, lot of Resident Evil content or Resident Evil inspired content as well. All right, and you can find me on YouTube at Renegade Operative. You can find me on Twitter at RenOperative underscore. You can find me on Twitch at Renegade underscore Operative. And I am on TikTok now. Uh, I'm trying to get this. I feel like an old man using a, a Gen Z device. So please forgive me if I don't really keep track of it that much. But if you want to follow me on TikTok, I do believe it is rent operative. Uh, you can find it obviously in my social media links on Twitter or X, uh, X videos, whatever they call it. Uh, I'm over there just uploading clips of me doing a lot of dumb stuff in video games, exploding, blowing up. And currently I'm playing GTA 5, but I also might be playing some Final Fantasy 16 in preparation for the podcast that we're going to have next week on that. So it should it should be fun and entertaining going forward. This was fun. Uh, whenever there's more RE content that is looming behind the scenes from Capcom and executives all across the board, having their men in black suits ready when it's eventually leaked, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be leaked when we first see it. We will indeed talk about it, but until then, we are the Infinite Ammo Syndicate. We're signing out, and hopefully you guys had a good time watching this as we did making it. Enjoy yourselves. See you later, and take care. Peace.